hello from your favorite Grasslands PR team. This week we're back with another reason why these overlooked and underappreciated ecosystems are objectively the best biome. Um, spooky edition? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like we promised uh, last time? <laughs> uh, I'm know. Rachel. I'm Nicole. <laughs> and today we are talking about something spooky. It's not, it's like a gentle spooky, kind of kind of easing you into the spookiness. Um, Rachel. What plant has no leaves, no roots, and yet can take over a grassland with ease? Daughter. Hey. Oh, it is a daughter. Episode? Yeah, it's daughter. Yeah. Oh, I love daughter. daughter. Yeah, vampiric plants. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also known as, I think, witches shoelaces or shoestrings. Yes, it has a bunch of different common names: wizard's net, devil guts, strang- <laughs> strangle tear, witch's hair. It has a lot of very good common names. Those are very good Halloween names, and it's a very good Halloween color. Like, when plants go vampiric, they don't always turn white. Sometimes they're, like, uh, orange. Yes, yes. <laughs> they're just not green, and that's what makes them fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Daughter. Vampiric plant, as Rachel said. Um, <laughs> so the vampire apocalypse, it's finally upon us. It's in the form of plants. Who would have guessed? Sorry, is the vampire apocalypse a known phenomenon? Or You're it... the one that brought it up. <laughs> well, I, I, of all the apocalypse that could happen, apocalypsi? What? Apocalypses. <laughs> that is not one that was on my radar. Well, you're the one that brought oh, it up. Oh, I did because of the stupid grasshopper episode. Yeah. God, the yeah. vampire apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Did mm-hmm. I mention that we've been playing a Curse of Strahd campaign uh, with our D&D group? Yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, <laughs> uh, but turns out it's not human vampires, it's plant vampires, and they're not actually going to destroy the world, don't worry. But they are really, really cool. They might destroy a prairie. Yeah, they might destroy a prairie. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but daughter can be found, like, all over the world. Usually it's bright orange, yellow, really fun colors. But it's just a really fascinating plant, and I love the interactions that it has with its hosts. So when I say that it's vampiric, um, I really mean that it's parasitic. Basically the same thing. <laughs> because grasslands can be a very competitive environment for plants. Uh, you and all of your neighbors are competing for space, light, uh, nutrients, all that fun stuff. Grasses grow fast and tall to shade out wildflowers. Wildflowers bush out to shade out the grass. So it is highly competitive. There is not a lot of space to go around. But parasitic plants love to cheat to get ahead. <laughs> Tell me more about how how they cheat. What do you mean cheating? Wait, hang on. Are we saying there's like a standard set of rules for how they need to adhere to the grassland ecosystem? Like, plant community like is it is there like a grassland hoa that's saying no if you like i don't know vampirize your neighbors you're a cheater like why is this an invalid strategy that's all i'm saying it's, it's not invalid it's just different so i'm sorry i called it cheating thank you they have a very unique way of getting ahead is that better <laughs> yes okay is better okay. thank you uh but though we very rarely talk about I want to keep wanting to say vampiric plants. Though we very rarely talk about parasitic plants, they're everywhere. It's not a super rare phenomenon, uh, but daughter is very unique when it comes to parasitic plants. Um, These guys are known as obligate parasites. So there are some parasitic plants that 
parasitize others, but just to help them get ahead a little bit, they don't need it. Obligate parasites need their host plants. Without their host plants, they will die. Like I said in the intro, daughter has no roots, no leaves. It cannot make its own food. Other obligate parasites might have leaves, but a lot of times they're like white. So they cannot photosynthesize because they're not, they don't have that green pigment, which is caused by the chlorophyll that would allow them to make, to do photosynthesis. So they literally cannot make their own food. They need their host plants for their food. Like a vampire. <laughs> like a vampire. <laughs> And daughter, and I realize I've said that like 18 times now, it's spelled D-O-D-D-E-R. It's not like daughter, like a, like a young, like, like an offspring. <laughs> daughter, D-O-D-D-E-R. <laughs> it's just a very unique plant. The reason it has all these weird common names like devil guts and witch's hair is because it just kind of looks like a net that's been thrown over the prairie or any grassland, not just prairies, but, you know. It's just this big net that was thrown over the grassland mm. that is bright yellow, bright orange, and it's just a tangly, mangled mess. And it just grabs onto plants around it and holds them hostage and drains the nutrients from them. I have so many questions, <laughs> but I'm sure you're going to get into them, so. Please, no, what questions <laughs> do you have? Okay, well, um, first of all, this isn't a question, but... Um, I would describe it less as a net and more like a sentient spaghetti noodle, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. Um, second, I have an actual question. Um, how, cause like I've seen daughter before and I've mm -hmm. like pulled it out of plants before and I've given it little kisses cause that's what you do when you <laughs> see cool plants that you like. Um, yes. I have never seen like, I don't know, tap roots digging into the goldenrod it's wrapped around or anything like that. So what is happening? <laughs> yes. Very good question. So we'll, we'll start at the beginning. You're a little okay. daughter seed in oh. the nice warm earth. Ooh, ooh, so cozy. Ooh, but you're getting kind of hungry. <laughs> you get out of the earth, you sprout up, start growing up. As soon as you are out of the surface, you start spinning, spinning, spinning. <laughs> and if you've never seen a plant, especially like beans or daughter, as they first emerge, the way that they spin in the air looking for something to grab onto is just one of my favorite things, like time lapses of that. I could watch it all day. I don't know what it is. It's mesmerizing. <laughs> But anyways, <laughs> they spin these little tendrils, they grab onto a plant, um, they will start growing up around it, and they will actually get rid of that like root structure. It's not really a root structure, but they will um, disengage from the ground completely oh, as wow. soon as they're wrapped around that plant. Yeah. And they have these little structures called hostoria that attach to the plants and are kind of like roots, but instead of rooting into the ground, they're rooting into the plant. And those hostoria dig through the outer part of the, the stem of the plant and reach into the phloem. So basically like the bloodstream of the plant. And that's where they're getting all their nutrients from. They don't even have a root system. They that's do not have roots at all. Wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not realize that, but mm -hmm. I mean, I've never pulled it out of the ground, so that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> fascinating okay what super cool what does it look like is it kind of like little mycelium like fingers that come off kind of yeah so to the naked eye it just kind of looks like a little like where it's touching the plant it just kind of makes like a little like bubble right there and you can't really see the actual structure since it's 
inside the plant. Mm -hmm. But when it's touching the plant, you'll just see kind of like a little mass that's like thicker than the rest of the spaghetti noodle. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is where the hostoria are and where it's digging into the, the plant itself, the host plant. Gotcha. So, yeah. Super cool. Wait, what's the spaghetti noodle that's like a little bit skinnier than a spaghetti noodle? Like Angelini? Yes, like angel hair pasta or something. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because they are they are pretty small. <laughs> uh, which is hair. <laughs> yes. Yes. Which is hair pasta. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's kind of how they work. Those hostoria are extremely important. That's how they feed. Um, and something kind of unique as they're growing, 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 they do that funny little waving around thing with their tendrils um, and grow up the plant. And then they also start reaching out to neighboring plants and give them a nice big hug too. So they have a lot of the species of daughters will have specific host plant species that they prefer, um, but they will latch onto nearby plants as well of different species. So they'll take over an entire like section of grassland rather than like, you know, sticking to just sunflowers or just goldenrods, which are two of their favorite uh, species of plants to parasitize, they will just kind of take over an area and you'll find like this big mat of just bright orange spaghetti noodles <laughs> in the grassland. <laughs> um, it's really, really cool to see. Uh, if you haven't yet, please definitely look up a picture of this because it's just bizarre if you've never seen it before. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> um, uh, and daughter is a genus, right? Yes. So it is a genus. There's, I think, over 200 different species of daughter in the world. So it's a pretty big genus. Yeah. How many are there in North America? Do you know? I don't know. I know I looked. So like Missouri, they have like 15-ish species. Um, So a lot of the like prairie states that I was getting information from had, you know, a a little over a dozen. Um, So I would imagine maybe there's 20 or so in the U.S. And then there's a ton in Africa, actually. Wild. Okay. Interesting. Mm Why don't you grab your stupid Flora of Kansas book and we'll look up and see how many there are in the Great Plains. Flora of the Great Plains, Nicole. It's the Flora of the Great Plains. Whatever, whatever. (laughs) Which I stole from somebody. (laughs) Just kidding. They gave it to me. Sure, they did. And then they moved to California and never came back for it. (laughs) Let's see. In the Flora of the Great Plains, we have... um, Cuscula... Cuspidata, Glomerata, Squamata, Compacta, Corilli, Cephalanthi, Polygonorum, Indicora, Suaviolens, Epithymum, Umbellata, Pentagona, Glabrior, Curia, and Granoviae. So that's 15. Yeah. Species in the Great Plains region. Did you just hex me? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That reminds me of a a guy I worked for once who uh, said he would scare off, like, um, you know, doorbell proselytizers. (laughs) Um, Like, he was, like, in his garage one time making uh, rebel poles, you know, to, like... Oh God! Do vegetation I hate surveys. Yeah, yeah. Um, I use them for water surveys. Whatever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just started speaking scientific names at them, and nice. they got out of there. <laughs> nice. Oh God. Yeah, this is fun. They're they're they they do. Some of them have common names, and it's mm-hmm. like named after 
the stuff that they parasitize, like Buttonbush Daughter. Yeah, yeah. And Hazel Daughter and mm-hmm. stuff. That's fun. There's a uh, Lespedisa Daughter. 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 <laughs> it's so hard. Fun. And then, like, a field daughter. And I'm like, wow, that's really specific. <laughs> okay. And then, like, every time, I don't know if you're reading, like, really in depth on those, but, no. like, all the species accounts that I was reading online, it was like, this one is a light orange color with five petaled flowers that are white. And then a different species account would be like, this one is a light orange color with five <laughs> petaled flowers. And I'm like, that's the same description, but you're talking about different species. Come oh, on. No. Some daughter do have, like, very tiny little scale leaves like they're not like really leaves and they can't photosynthesize with them but it's just like a little (laughs) that's fun yeah i i as hard as it is in i imagine to be like a mycologist or Mm -hmm. somebody studying beetles where you gotta whip out the microscope and look at like wing venation or whatever I don't know how the hell you would identify a bunch of spaghetti noodles I know. that have no flowering structure or... Wait, do they have a flower? You made a face. They do have flowers. Oh They're very God. small okay. and inconspicuous. A lot of them um, are just white. And again, they're they're very, very small, but they have a ton of flowers when they are flowering and they produce a ton of seeds. Oh, boy. So, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. How, how, oh, wow. Okay, this makes up, wow, sorry, what brain mm-hmm. words? <laughs> this brings up so many weird, okay, so if they dump a bunch of seeds into the seed bank and they don't have a root structure, how how would you know how many individual members, like individual plants there yeah. are in like a big mass of pasta out in, <laughs> in a park or something? I mean, you wouldn't really be able to tell other than maybe, you know, trying to do some kind of a, genomic sequencing or something which we do have the sequence of a couple different species of daughter which is super cool um but i don't know especially if it's a population that's close together would their genomes even differ enough to be able to tell probably not so (laughs) i think you would just kind of you have to like literally like peel it apart and like separate it out which would be pretty much impossible sounds like a nightmare (laughs) yeah (laughs) weird Uh, okay mm mm-hmm and there might be that maybe certain species, when they're fully mature, cover, you know, an average of 10 square feet. So if you see like a 50 square foot mass, you're like, eh, maybe about five individuals in this mass. Or maybe, yeah, I don't know. That's the yeah. best thing that I can think of. It's like rough estimates. <laughs> really rough estimates. Yeah. <laughs> it's a vine. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's a good question. I did not think about that. <laughs> and I've never really, like, whenever I've seen daughter in the wild, usually it's kind of, like, clumped. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I just assumed it was, like, one individual, one individual. But maybe not. Maybe there's multiples in those clumps. So, don't know. We possibly never will. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> but there is a lot of really cool research on daughter. We'll definitely talk about more of that in a little bit. A fun thing about those flowers and those seeds and how many there are, (laughs) not only are there just so, so many seeds that get produced by one daughter, those seeds can then sit in the seed bank for 20 or more years. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. This plant is very good at what it does. And part of what it does is just being inconspicuous (laughs) and just hanging out until the time is right. And then it just explodes. Um, I've seen it in managed parks where, like, 
I walked the trails often and it wasn't there one week. And then two weeks later, I was like, what is that giant mass of bright orange stuff? Wow. <laughs> like it really just springs up overnight. It feels like sometimes. So yeah, and it's not an invasive species. It's an naturally occurring species so there are invasive species that oh. exist um yeah and it is so uh daughter as a group is actually listed um by the u.s federal government as a mm, 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 mm. it is listed as a noxious weed uh so it is very very much uh controlled and very carefully monitored like if you're moving a crop harvest from a place where there was daughter you have to kind of somehow by law only have like x amount of daughter seeds in it i don't know how you would ever really prove that you have less than that or more than that but yeah like it is regulated highly and usually native species are kind of given a pass um but you still don't want those native species going outside of their current native ranges so uh right yeah I don't know how it didn't occur to me that it would be an issue in crops. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Daughter loves crops. It is a huge agricultural pest. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I'm Yeah, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, we get... Uh, I was going to make a chupacabra joke about it draining, like, sheeps of their blood and stuff. Uh -huh. Like, what's a little, like barley blood drainage <laughs> but just a way to equalize the universe um mm -hmm. but daughter is real and <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of blood references in this in this podcast episode i'm sorry if you have a thing with blood but i won't be graphic or anything so. and it's not like blood yeah it's not it's it's the sap inside the plant but like the easiest way to like think about it is kind of like the bloodstream of the plant yeah in my opinion anyways yeah. I mean, it's, like, way different than talking about, like, blood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. Even if it's us talking about blood in the form of a metaphor. Okay, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Enough blood talk. Okay. No. For now. Okay. But, yeah. So, how, how do you think daughter finds host plants? I imagine that the seeds are dropped in a location where the previous generation existed because there were host plants. <laughs> I mean, that's my guess. Yeah, that's a really good guess. <laughs> because, okay. uh, yeah, there's not a lot of things to eat the, like, they don't produce berries for birds to eat them and, you know, disperse them or anything. They literally just kind of drop their seeds wherever they are. Um, and once that seed germinates, um, they have that fun wiggling thing that they do. But daughter can actually pick up the chemicals that surrounding plants around it are giving off to help it find yeah. yeah to help it find its favorite hosts because like like i said they can be pretty generalists when it comes to what plants that they parasitize but a lot of the species um, do have hosts that they prefer mm -hmm. so and the communication between daughter and host plant gets really wild <laughs> oh i'm so excited oh i didn't know we were gonna get into the communication route i should have known with you oh, yeah. but oh, like yeah. okay i'm so here for it if butterflies can track down host plants mm -hmm. why can't daughter yeah it's basically a butterfly sure yeah in complexity <laughs> but not sentience perhaps i mean who knows exactly yeah that's why i said perhaps <laughs> i think that plants they're not intelligent in the way that we think of intelligence, but I think that there's a lot going on that goes unnoticed. And we learn more all the time about how 
how plants communicate with each other. And if you, dear listener, did not know that plants communicate with each other, you are in for a wild ride because, yes, they do. And they have a lot to say. (laughs) Yeah. It just is happening on a different scale where it's harder for us to observe it. And therefore, it's like out of sight, out of mind. Yes, 100%. And there's a lot of studies for quite a long time about how like funguses and things like that help plants communicate with each other. But daughter is doing it by itself. It's not using mushrooms or funguses to to help it because it doesn't have roots. It only has its own body. (laughs) So it's, it's very different, but it's also kind of the same concept if you are familiar with how funguses help plants uh, communicate with each other. And even though daughter is really, really good at what it does, (laughs) there are some plants that have developed a way to fight back against it. So when they sense a nearby daughter plant, they can release um, different chemicals and acids and compounds that help them avoid detection by the parasite. So they can avoid detection altogether. This has been um, noted in tomato plants in particular, but it is hardly a 100% cure and it's not always, you know, successful and not all tomatoes can do it. So, but... I did find one study in particular that looked at tomato plants and it was pretty cool. Like they did a really good job at just completely avoiding the daughter altogether, whereas the other plants in this study just got decimated by the daughter. Interesting. How yeah. it's hard for me to see how a tomato plant could avoid the daughter unless it's mm-hmm. like an allelochemical sort of thing where it's causing some behavioral response in the daughter plant, mm-hmm. like physiologically that makes the daughter avoid it or something. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. Like it's, they send out a bunch of different chemicals. Um, A lot of plants will also kind of like harden um, their cell walls so that the daughter just can't like attach to it. So then it just moves on because it's like, ah, that's too much work. Oh, fascinating. Um, But yeah. Ooh, that's like so cool on the cellular level. Yes. There's physiological changes happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super cool. And, um, you know, once once a plant is attacked, they can um, fight back by, like I said, strengthening their cell walls, releasing toxins. Um, so like tomato plants um, are highly toxic. Yeah. <laughs> so they could release extra toxins and then the daughter's like, ooh, never mind. Um, or even killing off the part of the plant that is being affected. Because oh. if that plant, that part of the plant is dead, the daughter isn't getting any nutrients from it, so it's going to move on. But why wouldn't it just move on to a different part of the plant that it hadn't mm-hmm. cut off yet? I mean, it's it's kind of a luck of the draw. Wherever that tendril starts spinning off, if it sure. hits another part of the plant, then it's going to probably, you know, kill off that section too and just hope that then it accidentally touches the nearby goldenrod or whatever. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's a risky um, gambit to just like kill off a part of yourself um but it can work sometimes so especially since these are in grasslands where everything is just kind of smushed together so sure it's gonna come into contact with something else really quickly yeah i was imagining the tomato plants specifically and Mm -hmm. it's hard to picture that but yeah yeah and it's like natural condition Mm -hmm. that makes sense okay yeah Ooh, that's cool (laughs) yeah i love this kind of stuff i love plant animal interactions but plant plant interactions are also very very cool yeah. And this reaction that the host plants can have towards daughter is not unlike an immune response. 
Um, and the daughter will try to also get around that response as well. So it's kind of an arms race on who can, you know, either avoid detection or once they're detected, get rid of the daughter and the daughter's like, ah, now nah, I'm going to get you anyways. <laughs> and it's, it's really, really fascinating. Wait, do plants have an immune system? They don't, right? They don't. Like, okay, that just like awoke this question in me that no. I never thought to ask before. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Okay. They, they have responses to stimuli, but For it's sure. not like a literal immune response. No, and they have like pheromones and alimones and stuff that yeah. they can produce. And so it's like a lot of chemical stuff. Yes. Chemical warfare. Yes, perhaps. chemical yeah. warfare. <laughs> um, and hormones, but that's not the same thing as having like an army of cells. That, yeah, not yeah. like red blood cells or white blood cells coming in and beating up the daughter. Like, no, <laughs> nothing that cool, but still pretty cool. Okay, just checking. <laughs> no, it's a good question. What, but how do we qualify... <laughs> what an immune system is does it have to have like blood cells yeah i don't know i don't know just just a question i'm asking mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i don't i'm not expecting you to answer it uh <laughs> but if anybody uh wants to to sh- give that to us give it to us thank you yes well, that's yes. all <laughs> uh, but daughter is able to kind of overwhelm and silence this you know quote-unquote immune response by overwhelming the host plant's um, microRNAs that code proteins that would be coming to the aid of the plant and fighting off the daughter's attack. Oh, yeah. okay. So they're literally like exchanging genes as the daughter is entering, you know, the bloodstream, the phloem of this plant. Mm-hmm. It's a very weird and unique interaction and a lot of this research is like 2018 2019 2020 so it's all very oh, new wow. stuff okay yeah i was gonna say M- mrna is kind of in the lexicon of the pu- yeah. the general public right now mm-hmm. because of uh, some of the vaccines that work that way so yes wait that's messenger rna it's not micro it's probably the same thing though but regardless it's like coding for individual proteins and yes. stuff yeah yes <laughs> cool yeah super cool what is what is this okay (laughs) i'm sorry keep going no no i love the excitement i love it (laughs) but yeah this this um paper is a 2018 paper looking at this relationship with the microRNAs, um and with these proteins that the plant is trying the host plant is trying to you know build to mount the defense if those proteins are unable to form the host is then defenseless it literally has no idea what's going on it cannot mount that attack to get rid of the daughter or to you know strengthen its cells or to send toxins or anything else that might alleviate the danger of the daughter this is some high level chess strategy right here i love it so much (laughs) it's so cool and in this 2018 paper, I didn't write down their names. I'm so sorry. Um, in this 2018 paper, th- they compared this reaction to how blood clots after a cut. Um, so it's a fairly simple mechanism that the daughter is able to kind of get around and it completely avoids the clotting, which allows it to feed more easily. So, whoa, yeah, super cool. Whoa. So, literally, back to the blood thing. So, it's sucking out all the life juices of the plant. And the plant is unable to, you know, clot that clot that blood or, you know, other ways get rid of the daughter. Phloem clots? <laughs> is it just like the... They can close off sections. So yeah. like when they close off a section of the phloem, that would be like the plant, that arm of the plant dying off and stuff like that. It's not a literal clotting. These are all metaphors. <laughs> I know, but, but now I'm trying to like picture like... Yeah. 
exactly how that's working. <laughs> well, the plant will go through apopt- apoptosis where they kill off the cells. Mm-hmm. And then that way, yeah. Yeah. They're like, but don't so need like, that are anymore. they killing off like the vascular tissue right there mm-hmm. so that it's, I yeah, think so. okay, cool. Yeah. It's just stopping yeah. the seepage. Mm-hmm. So instead of clotting, it's just, I'm going to destroy it. Because um, that's just self destruction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the only way that cells, or that's the only way that plants know how to defend themselves. It's just like, Ah, okay. We just don't need that anymore. <laughs> I don't need this arm. Yeah, I'll grow fine. another one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wish I could do that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, but sure. I mean, I imagine if it was built into your body, yeah, to do that. Mm-hmm. That like, I mean, if I could grow a new one, then sure. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. It's like I don't forget this branch. Like the mm-hmm. the vampire can have it. I'm just gonna grow a new one. Here, you take that arm. I'm gonna go run away. Yes, yes, yes. Oh gosh. And all this communication that's going on between host plant and um, daughter is not a one way street. There was a 2020 article um, called Cascuda Australis, which is an Australian daughter mm. parasite eavesdrops on the host plants signals to flower (gasps) so they're eavesdropping on not only where the plant is but also like what is going on in that plant and they're taking in some of these signals that the plant is sending to itself and gaining information from that which is super cool okay clarification yes is it looking at the for example information about the host plant and its flowering schedule or is it adjusting its own flowering schedule according to or is it both it's both okay yeah so this was a really really cool article again 2020 brand new stuff that found that daughters because they can often parasitize so many different kinds of plants they will adjust their own life cycle to match up with their host plants life cycle Whoa. so the same species can ha- can mature at different rates and start to flower at different rates depending on what host plant it is currently using that is very cool yeah whoa <laughs> <laughs> And this is helpful because, like, you know, who cares if you flower at the same time? But it is actually really helpful because if the daughter were to um, keep trying to parasitize the host plant after it flowered, um, that plant just spent a ton of resources making those flowers, a ton of resources making those seeds from the flowers. It's not going to have a lot of nutrients to spare. And then the daughter is probably going to suck that plant dry. The plant will die. The daughter will die not a good situation. Um, So the daughter, by syncing up its flowering, can make sure that it's kind of peaking right with its host plant. And then if they both die off, that's okay. It's already flowered. It's already gone to seed. Life is good. Wow. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about that, like Mm -hmm. the nutrient availability within the plant. I was thinking more Mm -hmm. like, ooh, that makes sense because their seeds would germinate potentially around the same time or Mm -hmm. they were dropped at the same time and that could be beneficial. But like the... The resource allocation mm-hmm. there. That's really, really cool. So cool. What is this plant? Yeah, <laughs> it's so cool. Because they, they want to germinate after their host plants. Right. So you want that host plant to be nice and big and strong. And then you come along and suck away all its nutrients. Um, <laughs> they germinate fairly late um, compared to a lot of other like grassland wildflowers and grasses and things like that. Because um, they want to come into the prairie or wherever after it's already green and lush and beautiful. Plenty of food. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, and they also mentioned that they don't want to flower too early either, since you want to have as much growth 
as possible so that you can draw as much nutrients as possible to make the most seeds. So you want they want the daughter itself, or if you were a daughter plant, you would want to grow up as big and strong as as you can yourself, so mature as long as possible um, so that, you know, you can produce more seeds. So I thought that was really cool. Like, they really do time it very closely to its host plant flowering. Cool. Are they wind-pollinated or are they insect-pollinated? They are insect-pollinated, so having those flowers bloom at the same time as the more showy flowers of your host plant is also kind of nice Mm. Mm because now they're being attracted to the host plant flowers and then also coming to the daughter's flowers. So Brilliant. Yeah. That paper didn't even mention that. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> this is why science is a group project. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's so cool. I bet they uh, use a lot of chemical signals to bring insects over to them, too. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's look at some more kind of big picture things with daughter. I mentioned already that it is an agricultural pest. Um, so what are some other ways that it kind of affects the environment around it. And not every effect that it has on the environment is a negative one. So daughter wants its host plants to succeed. If the host plant dies, daughter dies. And one way that they can kind of help those host plants is that the daughter plant itself kind of acts like an information highway. Oh my God, it's like a fungus. Yes. Ooh, ooh, this is so cool. Wait, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to tell Lindsay about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the funguses that we're more used to and all that stuff that's going on underground, but this is, you know, above ground in the vegetative vegetation. Um, and it's running through the daughter, which is super cool. Like I've never heard of daughter being talked about in this way before. Okay, give me all the information. Yes. <laughs> so... Daughter's connection to its host plant will provide it with food, but we already know that it can also talk to its host plant this way. But we have found out that if, you know, plant A gets attacked by an insect, it is connected through a bunch of daughter to plants B, C, D, E, F. All of those other plants will start to have a response and prepare for those insects that are attacking plant A because that information is traveling through the daughter to those other plants. Um, So just wild. And it's kind of hard to even like wrap your brain around. (laughs) Is the information like proteins and hormones? Is it like mRNA or microRNA? Is it like what parts, what, what is, what types biologically of information are being transmitted? I think that it's uh, mostly going to be um, like stress hormones. Right. So the, this, and this happens just like with fungus, um, when a plant is under attack from especially like things like insects, uh, they will freak out and they tell <laughs> they tell other parts of the plant its own body to you know harden and prepare for this insect but it's also sending out um, signals to the nearby plants kind of on accident maybe on purpose kind of hard to say um but yeah and it can travel through the daughter and this this particular study was done you know in a controlled lab experiment so they know that it wasn't like mm. uh, funguses and stuff like that actually spreading it it was 100% the daughter that was spreading that information so okay. i want you to know the visual that i have in my head <laughs> of what this is doing is that it's like um i don't know like a bunch of uh 
like, you know, those cans they always make in movies, but they never work in real life where they're connected through the (laughs) windows through wires or strings or whatever. Uh Um, I'm picturing that, but it's just like all of the plants in the neighborhood screaming at each other. So they have like some solidarity in their pain and suffering. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Which I don't know what the benefit is because it's like, well... If it's being transmitted through the daughter, then the daughter's already here. So yeah. maybe it's maybe it's comforting to the plants. We don't know. <laughs> we can't prove it's not. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, in the case of like insects, that's a different kind of stressor. Well, so yeah, but the yeah. daughter, uh-huh. <laughs> the daughter wants everybody else to survive. So it's it's uh, you know it's facilitating this communication. Yeah, it's like listen, guys. <laughs> Shirley over here has been through this for longer than the rest of you. Just listen to what she has to say. She'll let you know that it's it's not as bad as it seems. Does she sound stressed? Yes, but look, she's alive. Yes. <laughs> is this is this what is happening? Very toxic relationship. <laughs> I mean, it's a parasite. So yeah. yes, that, I think that is literally uh, like a toxic relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh. No, but really, like, what benefit does that give the daughter? Well, it's 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 allowing, um, like, if plant A dies because of this insect attack, it doesn't want all the other plants in that network that it's feeding off of to die. It's benefiting by letting the other plants know that this herbivory is coming so that it can, they can start to either produce toxins, you know, strengthen their cell walls, all those um, defenses that we talked about that they use against the daughter, they can also use against insects insects as well. I think that's what's tripping me up because it's like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, maybe that would help it against an insect attack, but wouldn't that also be sabotaging the daughter's ability to like prey upon it? Well, the, he, the daughter's already in the plant, so there's not oh, really guess, any removing yeah. it once it's attached. Yeah. So it can only benefit from mm-hmm. getting the plants more defenses once it's tapped yeah. into its like vascular system yeah oh god i don't like this at all this is so weird it's tripping me out a little bit now that i'm like fully comprehending what is happening (laughs) so it's even worse it's like if the tin cans you're screaming into Mm -hmm. were like iv drips oh gosh (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah i guess so and the person allowing you to uh talk to your cellmates was also torturing you yeah and it's like hey guys i know we're all infected with this daughter but there's something worse coming, and the daughter's like, see, see, I'm yes. not the bad guy. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's perfect. <laughs> uh, sorry, this, please cut this out, but oh, I just God. wanted to say that my initial reaction was like, dear God, this would make a fantastic horror movie. Maybe a tabletop RPG. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. I think it'd be a cool enemy. Yeah. Well, okay, and then... Something that kind of weirded me out when I was doing this research, I 100% think this is not true, but I just thought about it for too long. (laughs) Kind of like how we're thinking about too long about this whole like thing. Um, But there was a research article that mentioned sometimes once they're searching for a new host plant, they already are established. They're not in the ground anymore. They'll wrap around things that um, like a bamboo cane that is it's not alive. There's nothing that it could possibly get from it, but it tries to pierce it with its hosteria. So it's still trying yeah. to tap into it. But also the daughter can locate host plants by like sniffing them out essentially. So it's like, how is it getting confused? And then they mentioned that maybe since the, since the daughter had already grabbed a host plant, it's just assuming that anything it touches is something that it can eat. Mm. So then I was like, what if you just like, 
put your finger in a bunch of daughter for like a really long time, would it attach to you? Could it tap into your bloodstream if it did? I mean, you have to sit in a field without moving your finger for a, for a long, long time. time. <laughs> this is like a torture thing. Like the whole like growing like bamboo through people. Like you'd have to like tie someone down in the middle of bunch of daughter nicole don't give the u.s army any ideas they've already done some really <laughs> crazy experiments about that kind of stuff i know like, we don't we, we don't need people researching if they can use daughter as a torture device <laughs> you're right and i looked it up and google was very confused by my questions so i didn't get any answers but that just kind of weirded me out because i mean it is it's it's a plant it doesn't move very fast but like would it if it taps into bamboo cane why would it not tap into like a finger or an arm well, I mean, it could probably tell the difference in, like, the cellular structure, right? But, like, it's not... Okay, yeah, this is tripping me out now. Do we know any daughter scientists? Like, I think this is the sort of situation where you just need to, like, cold email or cold call somebody yes. who wrote one of those papers and just be like, hey, I got a weird daughter question for you. Can you entertain it? <laughs> like, people love shit like that. Uh-huh. Let's tweet one. Okay, okay. I'll find <clears throat> the one that mentioned... The one that mentioned what I was talking about, how okay. it wrapped around the bamboo cane. I'll be like, so if it wraps around bamboo cane, can it wrap around a finger? Maybe I don't... we should just tweet them from our Grasslands Rule account for GG. I think it's better than... Okay. Yeah, okay. thanks. Assuming that they have a Twitter. But anyways, I don't know. It just really weirded me out. I thought about it for too long. And then I just kind of sat in front of the computer for like five minutes. And I was like, does this make sense? I don't know. Not... I mean... Does any of it make sense? It never makes sense until it does. Yeah. And we learn new things all the time, so. Yeah. That was a really elaborate way to say that we don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, uh, conspiracy time, maybe the reason why I couldn't find any information on it is because it is currently used by the military to torture people. And they scrubbed all proof of it from the internet. I'm going to go ahead and say that that's not true. Um <laughs> Uh, I don't but want you the don't military know. industrial <laughs> complex coming after us, but uh, I have a feeling that the only value most grassland related things have seen for the military is like as bomb testing sites. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know how to get back on track, but essentially we were talking about <laughs> daughter's effect on its environment. So that's where we're going. Okay. Um, so, oh, we talked about the good things it does with the network, but like it's good. It's not an altruistic good. It's a, if you die, I die. So, you know. We're in this together. <laughs> yeah. So, eh. but anyways, it does a lot of really bad stuff too. This you know, network of communication also spreads a lot of different diseases. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) So this is especially important when we're talking about, like, crop plants. Um, If you have daughter and one of your, you know, one of the plants gets sick, it's just going to travel through the daughter and get all of them sick, which is unfortunate. That checks out, though. Yeah, it makes sense. So this, along with its ability to drain plants of their nutrients, causes millions, though some websites said billions, Mm. of dollars of damage each year to the agriculture industry. That sucks. Yeah. And that's throughout the world, Um, especially like I mentioned earlier, Africa has a lot of different Mm -hmm. species of daughter, um, and they have a lot of damage from the daughter as well. Um, Even though they try not to kill the host plant, 
uh, the crop yield is going to be less because of the loss of nutrients that the daughter is, you know, sucking from it. Sure, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And daughter can infest a lot of different kinds of plants. They can infest asparagus, beets, carrots, eggplants, garlic, melons, onion, pepper, tomato, potatoes, fennels, mints, (laughs) petunias, clover, sunflower, goldenrod, and many other crop, ornamental, and wild plants. They infest a lot of things <laughs> and do a lot of damage when they do. And while it is not considered poisonous, there have been multiple cases of like horses and cattle, and I'm assuming sheep, that fall ill after eating a substantial amount of daughter. So exciting. Wait, is daughter toxic? It is not considered toxic, but sometimes um, if they eat enough of it, they can still get sick. Well, maybe they should stop eating things that make them sick. <laughs> Just a suggestion. I mean, livestock. not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the livestock will experience like colicky symptoms. So Aww. it's not something that's like deadly necessarily, yeah, it just, but it's just not fun. Sure. Yeah. So not the worst pasture pest. Yeah. But not great. Mm-hmm. Like I said, daughter is also listed as a federal noxious weed in the U.S. And control of it is extremely difficult. Um, because once it's once it is established, hand pulling or cutting of the affected areas are going to be the most effective ways to do so. And if you have a lot of it, that is extremely time consuming. Fire can work, uh, but if the fire is not hot enough, uh, then the seeds especially will be unaffected and it'll just come back next year. Mm. And the seeds are extremely, extremely tough. And daughter, like I said, they can survive 20 years underground. Um, They can survive tilling. They can survive, um, like, all the work that we do to, you know, farm land. And then if that dirt is carried off somewhere else, good way to spread it. Hmm. And the hostoria, the little attachment points on the host plant, um, if they are not all removed. So if you just try to, like, yank it out of the prairie and you leave the hostoria, it can regrow from that, like, one attachment point. Okay. Yeah, that was my question. Like, if you leave, like, a piece of the spaghetti noodle, is it going to just grow right back? Yep. It sure (laughs) will. Okay. Kind of figured because it has no root system that it's using to centrally do stuff. But, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. This is a silly side note, but (laughs) another name for daughter was, like, love plant or, like, love string or something (gasps) like that. Because it hugs everybody. Maybe, but also <laughs> because there's these really fun, um, like, 1800s uh, old wives' ta- tales where, you know, a maiden would go out into the field. She's thinking of her lover. She grabs a piece of daughter. She throws it over her shoulder, walks away. You come back a few days later. If that piece of daughter has grown, then your love is true. Oh, my um, God. Don't tell the people <laughs> that they're going to start spreading daughter. <laughs> I mean, it has no basis in science. Please don't spread daughter. But, I but just, it's, it's cute and it's, it's very, very Instagram cute. worthy. <laughs> uh, it's very cute. I mean, if if you're in a place where there's already daughter, like, does it really matter if it moves three feet that way? Probably not. not. Yeah, okay. Um, That's fair. But yeah, I just thought that was like kind of a cute story. Um, because I kind of love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, because like you said, you leave even a little bit of that spaghetti noodle in there. And like the spaghetti noodle, when it touches the host plant, it's like, okay. And it just grows a new hosteria. Yeah. So like, I mean, that's how they they spread. Like you had to be really careful when you're removing it from a field because even a little bit left behind and it's just going to come back. Yeah. So 
And if you're in a field or a grassland or a pasture or whatever, Mm -hmm. you're not throwing that anywhere and it not hitting a plant, you know? No, yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's it's not going to hit the ground. (laughs) No, it's not. Oh, man. But yeah, just kind of a fun little story that I found. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) But parasites, love them or hate them, they are quite fascinating. And the delicate dance of parasite and host plant is just really, really cool, and I love it a lot. And as humans learn more and more about daughter, maybe one day we'll figure out how to control it so it doesn't take over everything. And hopefully we can keep our crops safe from these pesky pests. Pesky pests. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, since it's spooky season, I uh, just want to point out that uh, I have gone on foraging missions for some of my uh, friends who make, like, little spell jars and stuff <laughs> before. Get some and daughter. I have seen daughter. Yeah, it's on the lists of things that people like to mm-hmm. to use for those sorts of things. So I don't know if you find that little, like, romantic story or just the concept of witches' shoelaces or whatever uh, to be, like, a fun thing. It's... A totally harmless plant to just collect and touch and remove and, uh, I don't know, get smooches. It it probably won't attach to your finger and suck your life energy. I can't guarantee it, though. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. I just, sorry, I just got, like, a crazy idea. What if you, like, brought some in and attached it to a houseplant and Mm -hmm. then you could, like, keep a daughter, like, as a houseplant? Yeah. Do you think that would work? I mean, yeah, I don't see why not. Unless unless it was, like, something that was, like had a lot of toxins in it that could you know combat the daughter sure but, but like a yeah. pothos or something if i've got like an extra cutting oh of a my god like a pothos that's like 50 feet long and yeah. you put a daughter on there and yeah <laughs> string it along oh. the oh my god and then like you could like get like a whole like lattice work of yes. like all those daughter tendrils looking for new pieces to host yes god the perfect spooky i'm doing it <laughs> oh my god please. i want it please my neighbor in her pristine yard would be so mad if I put it outside to you, but, like, yeah. imagine. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Amazing. Okay. I Yeah, thanks, Nicole. You're so welcome. <laughs> um, What a perfect, perfect episode. Wow. Now uh, I need to rethink my next episode because... Um, <laughs> it, yeah, I'm so here for these spooky vibes, and that yes. was such a fun, fun, spooky thing. I... A few days ago, I I asked Nicole, like, so is it spooky in the creepy crawly people are traditionally scared of it sense? Or Mm -hmm. is it spooky in like a climate change world ending apocalypse (laughs) sense? And she was like, neither of those things. And I genuinely couldn't think of any (laughs) other options besides parasites. Uh And I did not even think that plants were an option on that list. So that that was great. Plants are always an option. Yeah. You're right. Full disclosure, there are a couple, like, foresty daughters and, like, wetland daughters. But for the most part, they like grasslands. So, yeah, that that, that counts. <laughs> Thank you for listening, people who aren't Nicole. Uh, <laughs> the Best Biome is produced through our nonprofit Grassland Groupies, uh, dedicated to inspiring the conservation of grasslands. In the show notes, you can find our website, phone number, social media, etc., so text, call, or tweet your suggestions, your fan mail, or your hate mail. If you enjoyed the show and want to support us, tell your friends about us and leave a review on Podchaser or Apple Podcasts, or find a way to support our nonprofit in whatever way works for you. And uh, yeah, we couldn't do this without your support. So thank you for 
anything you do to support us, including just listening. So you're doing it. Great but job also, and thank you. <laughs> but also definitely share with a friend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, everything's better together. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Uh, bye. <laughs> the more one learns, the more you wonder if plants are the true enemy.